everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Non-League Football Podcast. I, as always, am John Phipson. I've got to be honest with you, there were a few minutes this morning where I thought Matt Gerrard may be out due to injury, but Matt, I understand you've had the all clear and you're here and you're well. Yeah, yeah, an injury at home where I stubbed toe on a skip, it's a long story, in slippers, game builders don't wear slippers when they're doing stuff, that's uh, something I've learned, don't do that yourself, so I thought I'd broken either my toe or my foot, so uh, good work to, uh, shout out to Deal Minor Injuries Unit, went there this morning, had an x-ray, uh, just badly swollen, so I'm okay, so I'm hobbling like an old man, but um uh, it's only my left foot, so I don't really use that much anyway. So, uh, yeah, I'm fighting fit. A little bit of pain, but, you know, the wife's probably bad up a bit, so I yeah. am. <laughs> they say, don't they, football boots that don't provide the protect, protection that players need sometimes anymore. And, and I guess you would say the same about your slippers after this recent uh, yeah, 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 shocking, really, choice of moving stuff from the, from the garage into the, uh, into the skip, wearing slippers. So, yeah, any advice to anybody who's doing any manual work, don't wear slippers. Thank you for that, Matt. Well, let's start by uh, this week's podcast. Now we've heard about Matt's ailments by talking about the FA Cup. And of course, we there's only one place we can start when we talk about the FA Cup. The one team we've got who's who's made it through, Maidstone United. They were 3-0 up at Cheltenham, eventually ran out 4-2 winners. Both teams finished with 10 men. What a superb performance that is from Jay Saunders' side. Um, their award is a trip to Milton Keynes. I don't know if they'd be that thrilled with that one, but to go to a team in the league above and win 4-2 is fantastic, isn't it, Matt? Well, I'm not blowing my own trumpet, but I fancied them all along when they got Cheltenham. Okay. Cheltenham line-up. As I mentioned before, they're Jamie Grimes, David Defender. If you put, you know, get in their faces, good goals they scored. Uh, Sam York been pretty critical of him before, but um, when, he's up for it, when he's up for it, he's very good. Two goals, you can see the other side of him with, with his red card, but that's a... Fantastic performance. Mason are very good away from home. Five wins in the league already this season, scoring goals. And players like uh, Hines, Joe Piggott, who's probably playing below their level, they're better players in the National League, they're always going to cause problems. So the draw, I, I was really pleased with three up. I, I texted one of the guys I knew there, so you won't throw this away. Did have got a bit nervy in the second half, but what a fantastic performance. And the draw could have been a little bit, as you mentioned to me, a little bit worse. It could have been a little bit better. So, of course, uh, I've been to MK Dons in the second round of the FA Cup, so I think Mason will fill it out. But it, it's, it's it's such a big ground with such a small crowd; it's it won't be as you feel like on top of the players like you did at Cheltenham. But fantastic result, and I'm really pleased for the Jay Saunders. And fingers crossed, they can go one step further as well. I think it was really interesting what what Jay said. You know, I actually spoke to him in another capacity earlier this week, and he said to me, you know. A few years ago when we beat Stevenage, I didn't fancy us as much because we didn't have that much experience. They were a much more experienced side. But now I've got players who've been there. I've got players who've, who've played in the league. I've got players who are familiar at a higher level. And so he went to Cheltenham and he was feeling quite confident, I think. So he, he, he can understand why Maidstone have got a result there. And I don't know if you've seen Hines' goal, um, Matt. It was an absolutely brilliant finish. It was a superb lob. He got in behind... Dinked it over the goalkeeper. Absolutely brilliant. Of course, BT Sport um, put out a tweet saying, oh, look, this former West Ham player still got it. Look at this chip. But, um, you know, the usual sort of snooty stuff you get about non-league. But a brilliant goal from, from him. Brilliant performance from Maidstone. And it shows the value of having these players who've been there and done it. And the fact that there are more experienced players in the National League now. These shocks are perhaps a little bit more common than they previously were. Well, I think Maystone are probably an arguably a bigger club than Cheltenham. So you look at it from that point of view. The shock, 
uh, is it a shock? I just fancied that Maystone would have too much of him. And, and again, we've mentioned Jay Saunders and we picked him up before because he's worked through all the levels. So he's been the Devon Bostick South onwards and into the National League now. Of course, he's used the hardcore of your non-league players, but now he's realising that Stuart Lewis is of the world, the, uh, the uh, Hines of the world, uh, Joe Piggers of the world, who've played at a high level. These are the players you need in this division. Um, he's got a few good youngsters coming through, but interesting to see them. He's had to put them out on loan, the younger players as well, to get the experience. But the, the core of the players he's getting now have got Football League pedigree and background. And I think maybe that shows more in the National League. You know, it's very difficult for a player to go from Devon Bostick South into the National League if you threw him a minute. So the key is getting a bit of experience. He knows his level. Maystone is a good draw for players with the crowds they get and the background they've got there. So, yeah, absolutely fantastic result. Really pleased for them. MK Dons could be a little bit too step too far. We'll talk about that in a minute when we think about Epsley's defeat at Doncaster. Indeed, yeah. I mean, I think you, you, the MK Dons game is a tough one for them, but, you know, they're a bit up and down, MK Dons. So, yeah, you know, you, you never know. But obviously, you mentioned it there, Ebbsfleet. I mean, while Maidstone were, beat, were 3-0 up at Cheltenham, Ebbsfleet were beating Doncaster 2-0 at Stonebridge Road. Then they conceded two goals in first half stoppage time, four more after the break, and they lost 6-2. Um, I, I read it was, obviously, they were playing Alex Ferguson's son's team. Fergie time at the end of the uh, at the end of the first half there for for Ebbsfleet and they're going to rue so much they didn't hold on to half time with that two 0 lead aren't they? Yeah, I, I think when we look at the things here, the National League and League Two, I think there's not much of a gap between it, but I think there's a bit of a gap between League Two and League One, and Ebbsfleet probably saw that from that point of view. Two uh, up against maybe a side from League Two, they could have curled it out, etc. The extra quality from Doncaster. Two goals in stoppage time. And again, but a little bit more opposite to what Mason had done. Absolutely, have got broad players from the, the non-league. They've got the Kedwells of this world, etc. But they may not have the, the experienced players who've seen it out from that point of view. And, you know, to concede one before um, half-time would have changed down Ferguson's team talk, of course. Eh? We're back in this. But getting two must have really um, knocked the stuffing out of Epsi. And I think Daryl McMahon said that he knew at that point the game was up because confidence had gone from there. After the sort of those two goals in the two lap after 35 minutes, yep. Again, they'll learn from that. Absolutely, I'm sure that will be. But it, a real kick in the teeth from that point of view. But one of those things. But I, I, I didn't really fancy them in that because of the game. I think there's too much of a gap between League One and the National League, unless you're one of the the bigger boys from there. And Doncaster, are a free scoring outfit, and they grow into the game as it went from. But Stelma Mum will learn from that, and Epsley will a good cut run. But what? Just be a little bit disappointed about that. Maybe they need a little bit more experience and a little bit of game now, how when they're going to the different levels. I think the big thing for, for that game is, you know, obviously we've, we've talked so often about the fact they don't lose many games of football. But to lose 6-2, you know, if they'd lost 3-2, 4-2, maybe a different kettle of fish. But it, it's from the outside, obviously I wasn't at the game. I've read some reports. From the outside, people can look at that and see well, they were 2-0 up, they got pegged back and then they just imploded after the break. And that's not the message that Darren McMahon would have wanted to send out, is it? No, I think and I think it's a good game. They've got a good game this weekend in front of the BT cameras against Lake Lawrence, which is a big game in the league as well. So, yeah. I was surprised now because we've mentioned absolutely, you know, that they're in the habit of winning football matches and not losing matches. How they've just capitulated, and some of the goals looked a bit easy when I saw the highlights as well. So it'll be interesting to see what Delmarman does this weekend with his team, and maybe 
that game could be a sort of a, for some of the, he's got quite a large squad there, maybe you start tinkering with the squad and maybe let players go and bring in a bit more experience, particularly if they want to move up the, uh, the National League table. Yeah, and elsewhere, Dartford, I had a feeling Dartford were going to do all right, but um, I was in and out of final score on Sunday, and all I could see was bad news, all I could see was swindling goals. It, it ended 5-1, their Twitter account on the day was saying they deserved the goal they got through Richard Showsilver towards the end there, but I think Tony Byrne was very disappointed with how his side performed, and you know, on a big day like that, 2,705 was the crowd at Prince's Park, the last thing you want is a hiding, and unfortunately, 5-1 is a hiding, isn't it? Again, Swindon, two levels above them, relegated last season, on the cusp of the, um, the championship a couple of seasons ago. So, a decent side, decent manager. Again, Dartford in that, probably had to score first in that. Um, they went in front and Harry Smith scored a good goal from the Kent Leagues from there. Yeah. Again, I think that's the most disappointing thing. You've probably got 2,700 people there, maybe 25, 30% never been to a game before, turn up, we're going to get that big atmosphere. Then it goes a little bit flat when you're 3 down half and a half an hour. And Somehow Dartford have got to move on from that back into the league action. They'll be pleased with that. But again, it's a drubbing when you look at it on paper, isn't it? That's not what they want. No, and, and all of our teams who went out actually lost by a four-goal margin because um, Bromley was a step too far for them as well. They lost 4-0 at Rochdale. I think they'll take a lot from the experience there, but it maybe shows that Bromley, of all of our teams, are probably the less, the least ready to, to make the step to the next level from where they are. Yeah, defensively, Bromley, I've seen them a couple of times this season. But I think they've looked pretty solid. But again, Rochdale, it's probably a big leap in there. Decent side, difficult ground to go to. At home, the 3G may have been a different uh, kettle of fish from there. Yeah, I think Neil Smith will be absolutely delighted. He did well to beat Dover in the, um, the, the previous round. So that's a, a figure, maybe a little bogey team to Dover when they play each other very shortly again. Yeah, I think it's disappointment for Bromley there. I, I think... As he said, the support was great. Just wanted to give them a little bit of a reward. It wasn't worth it. But they're seventh place in the league. And if you'd offered Neil Smith first round of the FA Cup, seventh place in the league in the middle of November, he'd have taken your hand off. So they've just got to move on from there. And like all our sides are going out of the competition, Dartford, Ebsley, and Bromley, they don't want any cup hangover now, do you? They've got to forget about it, move on to the league, because you've got some big games coming up. November, December, January are going to be absolutely crucial months for all our sides. So you've got to keep up the momentum they've got, had in the league. Yeah, and I suppose ultimately looking at the FA Cup draw as well, none of the teams who beat our Kent sides got thrilling ties. So I guess I don't know if that takes a little bit of shine off here. But as I said to you um, the other day, I, I've got a horrible feeling that we could lose all of the non-league teams before the uh, before the third round, which would be an absolute disaster, I think, for the, for the competition. And I think it would be a real shame because you want to see the non-league teams having a chance of getting the big boys. Yeah, I think a couple of seasons ago, I think it, it, no sides reached the third round, which is the first time in a while, which happening again will be really disappointing um, from that point of view. I think Maidstone, it's going to be tough at MK Dons. You see how their form goes before those games as well. And some of the other non-league sides, uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't a sexy draw for any of the good sides in the left in the competition. A lot of them got away from home. Maybe filed, I think, against Wigan, but Wigan probably made too much for them. But yeah, it could be, but... Uh, from my point of view, when uh, when Maystone go out of competition, the FA Cup goes to bed for me till uh, August next year. I've got no interest after that point of view. 
I think the thing was as well with the draw. I mean, uh, it's, it's Slough against Rochdale, which is which isn't a bad tie. But a lot of the non-league teams are away from home, and you know, I, I still find it a little bit bizarre. As much as I'm obviously a big fan of non-league football, I find it a little bit bizarre that BT Sport are showing a Ryman Premier League game next week when they show Billericay against Leatherhead. Billericay may be the last hope, but they're not going to go to Wickham and win even if they get through. But anyway, we'll move on to that from the FA Cup. Now we're not here to talk about Billericay, and we'll move on to the FA Vars shortly. But before that, I don't want Welling to be a footnote at the end of this week's show again. You've got to salute Jamie Coyle for the job he's done there. They, they made a really slow start to the season, but after their win at St Albans on Saturday, they're now third in the league. I remember a terrible gag I made about them earlier in the season being the best place side beginning with W, when the other three teams were the only sides below them. So the turnaround that they've made is absolutely superb. They're home to Concord on Saturday, and with the only two sides above them both having tough away games, come 5pm, Welling could be top of the league. What a turnaround they've had. Well, I think we mentioned it before, their waveform is absolutely brilliant. You've got Joe Healy, uh, known to Kent Circles in from Maidstone and Dover, good player from midfield, box-to-box midfielder. You know, he does get himself set up occasionally, but key player for them, scoring goals are plenty from midfield. They've sorted out the defensive issues they've had part of the season, just got to turn around the form at home. I know they've uh, played eight games at home, only won four of them. If they can get the home form, replicate the away form, and beating it eight away from home, there's no reason why Welling definitely, I think, have got a good chance for the playoffs. Jamie Cole doing a good job building the squad up. I need to get, the, I need to get a new goalkeeper. The guy from Colchester's gone back. But they'll be absolutely delighted with that. Again, the, the poor start they had, if they hit the ground running, they could have been you know, good way clear at this top of this division. So, sort the home form out. But Jamie Coyle, probably uh, looking as good as Nick Davis is uh, rivaling him as the Kent manager of the season so far. Yeah, and obviously that Dartford won't want Welling to be top because Dartford are one of the two teams who are above them. They're currently top, but they're away to Truro on Saturday, and never an easy place to go that one, especially when you're on the back of a five-one FA Cup defeat. Truro are doing well this season as well. If games in hand, they could um, go near enough top of the table as well. They've turned it around. Truro, as you know, John, I've, I've covered Truro a bit over the last couple of seasons, and they're a great little club down there. Um, they had a bit of a bad run last season, but this season they've turned it around. Got round to the first round of the FA Cup. And they've got big expectations from that point of view. It's a tough place to go for Dartford. That's the only course Welling lost to um, Truro in the first game of the season. So Truro, they use the you know the, the long distances where they are to, to good effect from that point of view. So, yeah, tough tough game for the Darts. Again, interesting to see how they bounce back after Sunday, really. Yeah, you, you mentioned your, your love of Truro there. Well, I should point out, when Margate played Truro a couple of times, played in the league and in the cup, Matt managed to get the gig for both Radio Kent and Radio Cornwall. And what I thought, you know, it was really like watching a true professional because one minute he'd be on the phone to Radio Kent going, great news here, Margate have scored. Then he'd literally, 30 seconds later, be on the phone to Cornwall going, terrible news here, I'm afraid, Margate have scored. What, what a man, what a professional Matt Gerrard really is. But one thing I did see from that, we saw Isaac Vassell play in that game, didn't we, for Margate against Truro? And we said straight away, he's a player and he's gone into the league. So um, I did mention to somebody that watch out for this guy. And he's went one million into Birmingham. Now he's injured. But uh, if you do see some uh, diamonds down there, and he's a good player. Truro and the old manager, I can't think of his name now, um, Steve C, whatever it was. Brilliant guy. Great club, Truro. So not very long way away from Kent, but uh, a great club. And I hope Duff will do them on uh, Saturday, but I hope Truro uh, do well this season. Yeah, so uh, we'll move on to the FA Vars now, which uh, reaches the second round stage this weekend. Uh, that's the last 132, if you're counting. Um, 900 quid on offer for the winners, and there's plenty of Kent interest. Um, 
One team who won't be in it are Cray Valley PM, who were booted out of the competition last week for due to fielding an eligible player when they beat Cricklewood in the last round. But a team who are in it are Irith Town. They play Windsor on Sunday at VCD's ground, which they share. I spoke to Irith boss Adam Woodward, and uh, we started by talking about Windsor. And you will not believe who their star striker is. And try and get ourselves into the next round. 
and, and obviously, the, you know, we've already sort of said it, but it would be great to have a run in the Vars, but for, for the club in general, you know, put yourselves on the map a little bit. Yeah, it would, would be nice, obviously. We had that um, at the start of the season with the old penalty situation when we can't believe, and it was, it was three or four pennies in space of eight minutes. Um, and that was all in the, that was in the, um, in the sun. And also, there was a little bit on talk sport about it. Um, so that was always good. That got us on the map. And like I said, we just got to try and get as many people through the gate in the as we can. It's uh, obviously very difficult for the club not having a home ground at the moment, which we're looking to um, move back to the stadium next year and try and get as much of the local community on board as we can next year. Because obviously, Irith is a big place. Um, there's not a football team in Irith. And we had some two pre-season friendlies this year, and I think we hit 90 crowds, 80 90. So that'd be nice to um, move back to them and get crowd like that next year, and obviously be part of the local community. So we've got a football team. Excellent. And then just finally, you know, you're looking forward to the Vars against wins. It'll be a tough game, but one that you and your players will relish. Yeah, it will be. Yeah, like I said, it'd be nice to uh, get their mid-table in their league. Um, it'd be nice to go into the game try and get a win and move into the next round. I think that'd be the furthest. If we win Sunday, it'd be the furthest I've ever been in it. I thought you spoke very well, first of all, Adam, a really nice fellow. And straight after, as soon as I got off the phone, he texted me and said, um, thanks for the chat. Happy to talk to you anytime, which is always fantastic to hear. And, you know, it is a chance for them to, to put themselves on the map. You know, they're down towards the bottom of the table. But as Adam said there, it's not a true reflection of where they are and, and it's where it doesn't want to be. But to get a win against Windsor, including Barry Hales, would be fantastic for them. Yeah, he, talk, he did talk very well. He talked like a good football manager. He had all the... Uh cliches of where we should be as a club and there's no reason why I couldn't believe it uh, Barry has I know he was still playing but uh, what a man of that it's going to be a difficult time Windsor again a club looking to move up the league so they should you know they're probably at a level they shouldn't be so they're probably playing a below a level from that point of view Eric again needs to catch up on the league campaign and uh, interesting point what he said on that again he doesn't look at the league until after Christmas because it's such a higgledy-piggledy one at the moment so Last 132, I couldn't believe it when you said, said that. 132 teams left in this competition. Absolutely crazy. But I suppose you get down to uh, 64 if you win. Is that right? Mass is correct there, yeah? Um, or a little bit less than that, isn't it? So, but, yeah. Again, I don't know too much about Windsor. I don't really too much about Erith. But if on their day, I think they've got a chance. If the confidence of the manager comes through, that goes over to the players and he's happy with the team he's got. There's no reason why. Maybe you have to man-mark Super Barry at 45, but you've got a chance. I might have read that wrong, actually. It might well be the last 128, because it's definitely yeah, 64 in the yeah, next round. Yeah. I, I was using my favourite source, uh, Wikipedia, for that, and I may have just <laughs> noted down the wrong number late last night, but there you go. Um, elsewhere, I mean, there's, there's plenty of Kent sides still going strong. You've got, on Saturday, you've got Chichester against Deal, Corinthian against Eastbourne Town, Haywards Heath Town against Sevenoaks, uh, Meridian VP at home to Hawley, uh, Kent Derby and Sheppey United against Beckenham, Westfield against Canterbury, Whitsville against Epsom Yule, and on Sunday, as well as the other game, Lords would go to Southall. So there's definitely going to be one Kent team through, either Sheppey or Beckenham, and I can see two or three others following them, but there's, a, there's some horrible away games in there, you know, Deal, Seven Oaks, Canterbury. They'd have all been quite confident at home, but I think away from home, it's, it's a completely different kettle of fish, isn't it? In this competition, because you might not know too much of what facilities are like and what they're these teams are going to be absolutely like it's it's a good test for the managers as well because in the scaffold they probably know each other know all the players from that you look going outside of their comfort zone really to have a look at it from that point of view so interesting to see how they get through seven are on great form so there's no reason why they can't get from there canterbury at westfield 
Uh, that's pretty, is anywhere near the shopping centre? Yeah, it's not actually. It's, it, uh, we always thought that because I remember Tunbridge Wells played them. I don't know if it was the year they went a long way or the year after, but Tunbridge Wells definitely played Westfield. And uh, my former boss, Glenn Garrett, was quite up for going. It was like, oh, are you going to take the Mrs. Shopping? He's like, no, it's, not, it's nowhere near that. Um, but yeah, I, I would fancy possibly Canterbury, Sheppard United, Whitstable. And then after that, I'm not really sure who's going to make it through. But, you know, time will tell. And, and it'll be interesting because... You know, you might have to start dream, dreaming now, will you? Well, long way to go, isn't it? So, I think um, get through this round. Maybe in the last 32, you can probably think about winning the competition or getting far from that point of view. It all depends on the draw as well. I don't know when it gets regionalised from this point of view. So, I hope we get side through then when we can maybe start dreaming because the games, games then come think of fast before Christmas and conditions can play a part inside if they've got to travel as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, move on to the Bostick South League. Um, you mentioned him earlier, Nick Davis is sitting well. He's not had a good week this week because they lost their unbeaten home record on Saturday when they lost to Phoenix, goal a minute from time. And then they lost their big derby at home to Faversham on Tuesday night as well. But um, still fifth in the league, sitting born. A spot behind Cray, who drew at Hastings on Tuesday night. Um, also on Tuesday night, Ramsgate beat Ashford 3-0. Um, the Nuts and Bolts, I love that nickname, by the way, the Nuts and Bolts. My favourite nickname in the whole of Kent football, that one. Um, they brought in Paul Barnes as a coach. There's been so much upheaval there, so much chopping and changing going on so far this season at, at Ashford. And they need to find some stability. They, they may not go down. I saw their manager, um, he's very vocal on Twitter, actually, their manager. He responds to people. And he said, you know, we're not going to go down. And, and with only probably one team going down, they're probably not. But... They need to be in a situation, if they don't go down next year, they can hit the ground running and not have a campaign like they've had this time. Yeah, Paul Barnes, there was rumours that he was going to take the job, wasn't it, from uh, from Jason as well, from there. Game respected coach, he's done it well, he's been at Margate, so he's got a bit of respect within the game. Maybe just to galvanise the, the squad from that point of view, a lot of turnover of players again from Ashford, so they need to get out of this rut from somewhere, so... You know, the highs of last season when they got promoted have really hit the buffers this season. It's just got to somehow uh, build a squad up and go for game next season. I don't think they'll get relegated because there probably is one worse side left, uh, worse than in that division. So they should be okay. It's just disappointing. Any momentum they've had going into the season just burst out, hasn't it? It certainly has. Uh, also on Tuesday night, we had Hernbay. Well, Hernbay won at Guernsey at the weekend, and then they lost at home to Thamesmead on Tuesday. Phoenix away winners on Saturday, lost at home on Tuesday night to South Park. So it's a decent, uh, decent week for away teams. And we also had Hythe uh, won four two on Saturday at Chipstead. Dean Grant getting a hat trick, and then Hythe won at Tunbridge Angels on penalties in the good old Velocity Trophy on Tuesday night. Um, this weekend, it's the FA Trophy comes comes back in. Um, Sittingbourne at home to Haringey, Thamesmead at home to Met Police. Cray Wanderers go to Moneyfields and uh, Margate, the Boston Premier, who've had two good wins this week. They're at home to Bowers and Pitsy in the FA Trophy. Um, Matt went to Margate on Saturday, I think after stubbing his toe, and um, he's <laughs> he saw them beat Staines, but before the game, he caught up with Margate chairman Alistair Bayliss. Yeah, alongside me, Margate uh, chairman Alistair Bayliss. Alistair, you've probably been the job just under a year now. Has it been an interesting year for it? Yeah, interesting's a great word. Um, yeah, it's been pretty challenging, I think, um, lots of, for, for lots of various different reasons. Um, but, the, you know, things, that, the, the kind of project that we've now got going takes time to, to, to get to where we need to be. And, uh, Is that on, 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 on and off the pitch? Absolutely, yeah, no, 100%. I mean, you know, you, 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 you bring in a brand new management team, they then uh, 
although naturally the boys were here at the tail end of the season but they then need to bring in an entire new squad to build that squad to get that squad to where you want to be you know there'll be one or two players that you think yeah we've, we've, we've made great choices there or one or two that haven't quite worked out how you want them to be but I think as a, as a unit this group of lads that, that the boys have put together for me I mean I, I've still to see a side that play better football than us I know our results lately have have been very frustrating, you know, four last, you know, 93rd minute goals this season at home, you know, they, they, they don't go in and, and we're sitting third in the league, so that's a remarkable turnaround, really, three losses in 14 games, I think it is, we're, we're playing teams off the pitch, you know, every, every, every boardroom come up to me and go, wow, you are the best side we've played this year, you are the best side we've played this year, and, and you know, at some point, those draws will, will, will turn into to, to victories. We're, I think we're strong at the back. So the squad they've put together for me is excellent. It's all the off the off the field stuff as well. That's that's you know, if not more important than that. Where are you on that thing? Lovely three G surface here. You got a little stand behind the goal. Is the the speed that that's going off the pitch where you want to be at the moment, or you want to be a little bit quicker? No, I, I, no. It, it, I mean that's not really the, the the pace of that isn't dictated by me at all. Um, the, the pace of that's dictated by the new owners and then the advice from the other board members uh, at that, on that side of things um, I've got my, my own ideas about one or two things but I, I think we've made great progress um, yeah no the, the, the pace the pace in which the off field activities I mean you look at what, what the owners have done with a new pitch I mean it's fantastic that's, that's, that's the first phase you know there's, there's also plans to improve the facilities and the, and the five aside pitches um, but it, it, you know we we can't just do it overnight. The the stands being brought in um, to try and sort of show willing to, to our supporters that we are listening to them. Um, so there's a bit of cover down that end now uh, for them. Um, and and yeah, I mean I think we're making great progress. We've brought Charlotte Richardson in, who's doing some wonderful stuff with marketing and and, and the kids and various different things that she's brought to the club. We've got Denny Wilson in, who's now our general manager. And, and you know you're going to see this club now move in a, a really positive direction um, I'm a little bit disappointed that, that there's you know there's still a bit of criticism uh, labelled towards us and you know I heard there was stuff uh, coming from the stands that, that I just don't understand you know I was hoping that the, the community and the, and, and the local people would buy into what we're trying to do um, there is absolutely no hidden agendas with what we're trying to do we're trying to build the football club up um, and everything else around it, you know, to, to enhance the community experience and, and bring more people back to the club. So we could do with, with more of them buying into it. And do you think that's you know, the problems that the club have had before? Some people are a little bit tainty about what's gone before and, oh, we don't want to come back. Yeah, I, I do to, to a degree, but there's still an awful lot of things that are said that you just think, wow, you know, where are people, what do people expect mm. to happen at this level uh, in the situation the clubs are? I, I think. I think the new owner is, is an absolutely super guy who, who genuinely wants to do the right things and, and the best for the football club um, and the wider community moving forward. So we could do with more people buying into it. Again, I'll go back to performances on the pitch. I think we've been excellent to watch. and you, you know, You've probably seen this yeah, a couple yeah. of times this year. I think some of the football we've played has been, been first class. You know, bar probably the second, he- uh, the second half against Leatherhead was massively disappointing. We don't quite know where it came from, but but it happens, and it happens at far higher levels yeah. than, than we are. So I don't quite understand any criticism that's that's labelled towards us. But listen, October's gone now. It's been a bit of a, a, a bad month for us. 
I mean, I look forward. And, you know, for me, this this club in this area, you know, I've I've been championing it for championing for quite a while. You know, it's got a lot to look forward to, and we have us as a club a lot to look forward to. What are the expectations? In, you know, three months into the season now, your fourteenth place, whatever it is, it's a long way to go. The playoffs is definitely. You think you can get there? Uh, I do. Yeah, a hundred percent, I do because I, I'll go back to, you know, you just need to listen to what people are telling us. We are the best side that most teams have come up against. You know, last minute equaliser against Leiston, last minute against Harrow, last minute, I mean, the 85th minute the other night against Met Police. I mean, the guys just absolutely smashed it from 35 yards straight in the top corner. I mean, it was bizarre. So, you know, had it not been for, for, for those, um, you know, we'd be flying high. So, you know, we're, we're now going to get into the, the dirty months of the season November, December, January, February. And I, I believe. Um, that, that this this team and this squad will will you know even although two or three of these lads or four or five of them know each other and, and have played together, it doesn't always it's not as easy it's not as straightforward as to say well look you've got a squad of fifteen or sixteen they should go out and do that it doesn't work like that you've got different characteristics in the dressing room you've got you know different behaviours you've got you know we we, we spoke uh, I've just come out of speaking to the manager now as I do it before every game. You know, they only spend eight hours with these guys a week. Mm. So, it, you know, it, it's not, there's not huge amounts of time. So I think when, you know, by the time, as I say, moving forward now through the really dogged months of the season, the horrible weather, I think this lot will actually come up trumps and then we'll start to gain a bit of momentum. So I would like to think we could still make the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think, I don't even know why Andy's talking about it. On a personal point of view, running a football club or being a chairman of a football club, it's a difficult job if you're the Premier League, let alone at this sort of level as well. It's where heart and, heart and soul goes into it. People don't probably imagine what work you have to do in the background, do they? No, and, it, and it's difficult for me because I've got enough issues of my own with running my own business and, 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 uh, and other things. Um, it was probably a bigger task than I ever imagined. Um, but, but it's a bigger task than I imagined because the mess the club was in. Um, and, and actually, you know, we want to try and do things properly. So it's taken us an enormous amount of time to, to turn everything around to start to do things properly. You know, we've, we've kind of backed off the commercial side, but we now know that the commercial side is something that that'll be the next thing for us to tackle. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's probably been the toughest 12 months of sort of a, a professional life, if you, if you would call it for me, without a shadow of a doubt. And naturally, that also impacts on your home life. So I, I would say it's been very, very difficult. Um, but I'm very proud of, of the fact that, you know, I don't think MDL stepped up when the call came um, to try and help. You know, I'll, I'll be more than open and happy to admit that we haven't always done things, you know, probably the right way maybe, or things haven't quite panned out how we'd hoped. But none of that's been for any reasons other than, you know, sometimes you try things and they don't work out. So I'd like to think that the progress that we've made... Uh, well, you, you said it yourself, you look out mm-hmm. and, and it's fantastic. So that's stage one. And and it, and it's a, it's, a, it's you know it's a long it's a long way to go you know this is this is a three or four year project this isn't just let's well, these football fans just see the immediate input don't they they see all the it's a results driven business I suppose they see that first more than anything else but I say Margate's had issues over the year and getting the off field things it's probably key for it isn't it a hundred percent and but that that's the, the only thing that slightly disappoints me with that is I agree it is a results based business but we've said from day one if we don't go up it's not the end of the world. It's, it's about stabilising this club and people people have got very, very short memories because, you know, in, in March, April this year, we didn't even have a club almost. We were almost gone. So, um, you know, I would, have, I would have expected the Margate 
fans in the community to go, do you know what, we can see that there's been a commitment of over half a million for the new pitch. These guys obviously do mean business. It's not like previous regimes. You know, let's get behind them. And, and again, we'll go back to, yeah, it is results-based, but you just need to look at the performances. I mean, we've, we've probably created more chances in the first two months of the season this year than we have in the last two years. Mm. So... I get that, but I also don't get it, and it frustrates me, you know. And, and I'd like, I'd like the fans to get behind us a little bit more and, and buy into what we're saying, and, and actually create an atmosphere here. You know, every, our away fans are absolutely brilliant. Every time you go to an away game, there's that pocket of twenty or thirty that create a good atmosphere. You come here, it's like it's like a morgue sometimes, and that that you know, we, we need them to buy into it. We need the supporters to buy into it and get behind the players because that's a motivation in itself, and that's every club up and down the land. So, um, but it, yeah, go back to it. It's, it's been murder, yeah, it's been tough. <laughs> you talk about going about 3G, that's the sort of thing that can't go into the Football League with Maidstone and Bromley. Could have an issue at the end of the season if they're in the. Where, yeah. where do you stand on the 3G pitch? You've got one in here, so I presume you think it's the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's ridiculous that, that, that you know, um, Scotland were playing in Lithuania in a, in a World Cup qualifier mm. a few weeks ago and it was on 3G. But you can't play a league too much yeah. in England. It's just nonsense. You think um, that will change eventually, or is it a mindset of what that league well, is? I suppose. I suppose it depends on on you know. Unfortunately, football uh, people don't make decisions on football on what's best for football. <laughs> people in football make decisions what's best for them, um, which is which is a shame. Um, so that's going to depend on how the FA and and, and or not the FA so much, but probably the football league clubs, um, how they would vote that. For me, it's an absolute no-brainer. Um, but I can also, on the other side, understand why. You know, I'm I'm quite good friends with, with Chris Wilder at Sheffield United, and we had dinner a couple of weeks ago, and we, we had the conversation. And I can understand the other side why he wouldn't want his players in the Championship to play on that surface, because as far as they're concerned, they've got certain statistics that they feel, you know, gotta hit. So yeah. it, it, it's a difficult one, but but for lower league sides like you, you know, it's, it's an absolute income. Yeah, look, you know, we, we, the footfall now can go up here quite considerably. We can then go to the manager once we've got this this year out of the way and say, right, here's where your budget's going to be next year. You know, the owner then doesn't have to put so much in because we're making generating money, not just from the pitch itself, but the off-field stuff, the bar, the burger van. Uh, and, and other things that we hope to start, you know, hosting here as well. You know, we had the charity game this morning that's been been a great success for children in need, and that's what we want. And we're making brilliant strides. Ricky Owen going into schools uh, and doing the schools initiative as well. You know, well, there's loads and loads that we're actually doing here to to try and get the club back engaging with the community again. Um, we, as I say, we'll go back to, you know, I just want more of our supporters to buy into that and coming back the team again mm. rather than. You know, have little pops here and there. No, that's football fans. I appreciate your time just before kickoff here, Alistair. But appreciate your honesty and good luck this afternoon. Thank you very much. Um, interesting chat. I thought that with Alistair Bayliss, Matt. And I don't know what you made of it. He said at the end, you know, they've got great noisy fans away from home. At home, they need to make just a little bit more noise. And I've been to Margate a couple of times this season, and I've kind of raised that. You were there Saturday. Is that something you'd go along with? The second half was better because we've got that little stand now behind the goal and people sort of, the weather wasn't particularly great, sort of moved into there and they made a little bit of noise because at least you had something going off the roof and that. Yeah, they were pretty quiet in the first half. Uh, I think the expectation is pretty high there um, from new board coming in. I've been at Margate pretty much highs and lows over the last few years. Uh, and I think the, and he, one of the points that Alistair said there, 
it's not the end of the world if they don't get promoted this season. Um, football's all about results. So I think Marley, off the field, are trying to get an infrastructure in place, a lot of people working behind the scenes from that. Really. But the fans are just thinking, right, we want to get promoted, we want to get back into the National League South uh, League from there. He's just got to be a little bit patient. Think things are working. I think I think it's more of a say the fans just got to be a little bit more patient. Get behind the side as well. They've got a basis of a good side. A couple of signings. The Haysman's done well. I thought he played well on Saturday. Chidozi's scoring a lot of goals as well. So it's just patience. It probably is from Margate, but Margate they fully expect to be National League South. And some of them they're living off their reputation of before, but now it's just a brand new Margate with the new owners who are trying to do things correctly off the pitch and he's a very passionate man Alistair so I can't believe he's going to let things um, lie he wants them up to the level they should be but it, it, it's not flip of a coin they'll be there next week it's just working it's just getting the um, fan base back and you know say you know quell those ambitions a little bit we are working it but we get off the field first hopefully on the field thing Steve Watts doing a good job you know wins brings happiness for the fans but you know when they do lose a game or etc., it's no doom and gloom coming there. It's a, it's a, it's a path Margate going on. Just got to work it through. I thought what was very telling there as well was Alistair Bayliss. He said, you know, basically, and I've not read this anywhere before, but in March, April time, there nearly wasn't a Margate FC. Yeah. So, you know, the fans they do have big expectations, and of course they do. You know, they they look at teams in the National League South. They've they've had a a taste of that league, and they've seen some of the smaller clubs up there, your Concords and your Hungerfords and places like that. And they think, well, we've seen these teams, we've got some results against them, there's no reason why we can't compete. But when you've been at such a low ebb as Margate have, and I think that was probably hidden away from a lot of people, they've got to be grateful that they are where they are. They're in good shape. Yeah, they're not going to win the league because of, well, Billericay mainly. But they are where they are. They're in good shape. They're building. They've got their manager's going to is around for the long term. Alistair Bailey's a very passionate man. They've got passionate people behind the scenes, like our mutual friend Ryan Day. You know, and the, the fans at Margate need to buy into the whole project and not just want it to be immediate, like you just said. Yeah, and there's a lot of things going. There's a lot of kids there getting the community going. And one of the things Alistair, you know, when I was walking past. Them, he said a lot of the kids would be playing on the five side beforehand, but they were going home. And he said, oh, we've got to get them coming in. Again, he's getting the community on board. I think, as we said in the interview there, maybe they've been tarnished by the previous regimes of Margate. People well, have got a little bit disillusioned with it, but somehow, and they're getting that word over, it's a new regime, it's a new thing, trying to work together. There, you know, every, every town should have a, a good football club to get behind. And if they get that word out there, Okay, and the facilities need to change a little bit, I think, at Margate, if they can prove them a little bit. There's no reason why the people can't come in back and then hopefully brings more money into the gate and then you have a better team and it's an upward, upward move then from that point of view. Yeah, I, I'm just about to put in the, the interview with Steve Watt as well. So um, here is Steve Watt talking after the game. I've got a couple of questions I want to ask you about afterwards, Matt. Um, but Matt spoke to Steve Watt on, uh, on Saturday after Margate beat Staines. Steve Watt alongside me, comfortable three points today? Yeah, it was. Um, just set the boys in there, obviously. Look, it's, we've, I don't think we've been behind at home bar one game in terms of in a league, in the Marsham game. We've always we've always found ourselves in front in games and, and found a way to be undone, if you like, in late on. So it was important that we started today with a, a more positive lineup. We managed to get um, a three, if you like, dangerous men on the pitch at the same time obviously it was good to have them all on then I think that played part to, to us being so comfortable with that. I thought we always looked dangerous on the, on the attack 
And look, I said to the guys, probably the difference in tonight and in, in, in Tuesday night was our, our aggressive mentality to, to score more and to be more attacking. And I think of late we've been, um, if you like, guilty of being too honest in terms of our, our, our players work so hard to get behind the ball and not concede. We, we've struggled in games to get out and get up and support when we turn the ball over. So something we spoke about this week and I, and I think we saw the benefits of that today. Yeah, good first goal he scored. How important was the second one as well for the for the nerves of the team? If I'm being honest, like Tuesday night, I mean, we were under pressure of Tuesday night, but I didn't I didn't feel as if we were going to concede because they were very direct in that place Tuesday night and they didn't have a chance. I think they only had one save to make in Tuesday night and look, the guy scored from 35 yards, so you've got to hold your hands up. But today, again, it was, I can't remember Lennon making a save. I thought we were in complete control of the game. It's always important to get that second goal out, especially when results have been how they have been with those late goals. So to get the second was good. Can't stop scoring goals in this league. So I think that's a good statement as well from us as well that we were very dangerous going forward and, and beating a team. And twice we've played them in a week now and they've, they've not scored against us. How do you think the season's gone? Well, three months into the season now. Are you were Do you set points targets? Are you happy where you are? I didn't set points targets. I never have. I mean, I think one word sums up the league campaign so far. It's frustrating. Those four late goals we've conceded now, that's eight points. And that would put us near enough third with games not to go yeah. top, you know. So I think I'll set the guys before a game. That's how close we've been and in none of those games have we scored late on to get draws yeah. it's been the, we've been in normally in that works the other way now doesn't it exactly so look I think that's how, far, that's how close we've been um, we've got a very very good side down here I think that's that's never been in question I think the score we have and I believe that's 11th or 12th clean sheet this season now um, only conceded I think 10 goals in 14 games it is, is, is fantastic so it's it's been a good. It's been good in a lot of areas, but I think the one thing would be frustrating because it's what if if we had not conceded those goals, we'd be looking now at the top of the league with game, games in hand. So I think just I said it, guys, it's a double-edged sword. You can look at it either way. You can look at that negative as well, but I tend to be positive with the boys and say, look, that's how close we are, and things will turn. You can't keep leading in games and in all season that's not going to happen. So every team's go through spells. But I think, look, frustrating, obviously, because we're not, I don't think where we are where we deserve to be. But, having said that, you look, when you look through the games individually and you look how we performed, I think we've done well. You know, the season changed a bit now because, you know, the nights are drawing in, the pitches are getting a little bit um, muddier as well. So, it's a bit of a key part of the season coming out now, the run-up to Christmas, isn't it? Backing yeah, shit. of course. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good lad, Drax. <laughs> no, no, it does. You know, it's, it's this this period now from November to February is always a tough period, you know, in terms of how pitches are. How you play a lot, a lot of games. Um, so you've got to look after players. You know, um, Franny thought, asked, asked him around about 70 minutes how he was feeling because um, he wanted to protect him, not want to lose him again for a period of time. It felt fine, so good for Franny to get 90 minutes today. Jay Mays played a lot of football recently. Um, the other night on Tuesday, unfortunately, had to take off Kane, he had a knock he passed the late fitness test today and I said glad he did because he's a great asset for us Dave Martin's been tight you know so you pick up your injuries and it's not just me it's everyone and we've had uh, a fair share of them this season as it is so look it's it's good to start getting a, another win under the belt I think that's us unbeaten in four now I think and we can start again guarding momentum 
in the build up to Christmas, which is a, which is always a tough spell. Final question about your old club Maidstone. They've got through to the second round of the FA Cup. Shout out for Jason, is there? Yeah, well, I texted him before. I do wish them all the best and got a huge congratulations. It, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. You know, I've been I've been in his restroom when he caused a big upset before, and it and it doesn't surprise me. And I'll, I'll give him a text later to congratulate him. But I, I've been on but congratulations for Maidstone and, and Jay and. I hope they get a good time in the next round and I hope we go one step further and look to get one of the big ones in the third round. So two things I've got to ask you there, Matt, is um, first of all, who was that interrupting halfway through that? I couldn't quite edit that bit out when you sent it to me. Someone walking up making comments, was it? It was um, uh, the Jack Hippolyte, the Staines manager. I don't think he was too impressed with his side's performance. He was running the players and uh, he shouted out to Steve Walker, much to our amusement from there. Yeah, He was doing the warm down with the rest of his players, but he he wasn't impressed. And to be fair, sustained. I think were fourth or fifth in that division. They were pretty open. So I thought didn't create a single chance. Then he picked. had an easy game. So yeah, the, if if they are the fourth best side in that division, Margate lost them there. It should be a, a better season for Margate than Staines. And the other question was, I'm sure there was some music in the background there. When I was at Margate the other week, they had some quite, de- well, I was going to say decent tunes. Some more acceptable music for the um, older. Um, journalists to enjoy when they're outside the dressing room. Was it the same on Saturday? It was all too loud for me. I, I couldn't understand what it was. Again, just a constant boom, 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 boom of music. Really, is I couldn't actually remember what it, which is in there. But they, they won. Maybe it's uh, when they win, out comes the more uh, drum and bass or whatever it is from there. But uh, again, it's, you do hear some absolute drivel when you're. Um, Maybe I'm showing my age there when you go into these dressing rooms to some of the players. Think there's no uh, Neil Diamond coming out of the uh, stereo. My side, I like it. When I was at Margate, I think it was when they beat Herne Bay. It was Rick Assey never going to give you up. And I mean, I'm I'm not quite as old as you, but I'm getting there. And I certainly can't deal with all this grime or whatever it is the kids listen to these days and the dabbing and things like that and you know I've, I've stood outside hundreds of dressing rooms across the southeast of England and the music is always terrible um so you know it, it was quite pleasing to hear Margate when I was there the other week having some good tunes I'm, I'm disappointed to hear that they've reverted to tight. <laughs> it's better who gets in charge of the uh, the iPod I think uh, the, the youngsters probably do it I'm sure the older members of those squad the James Rogers and and Lenny Pigley probably shaking their head as well when they're listening to it. Yeah. Um, elsewhere in the um, in the Bostic League Premier Division, um, Tunbridge Angels and Folkestone and Victor are both out of the FA Trophy. They've got league games on Saturday. Um, Folkestone are at home to Tooting and Mitcham. And Tunbridge go to Staines, who obviously have lost twice to Margate in, in the last two weeks. Um, Invicta beat Dorkin on Saturday and, and Invicta still flying high. Um, going absolutely great guns, folks. We, we've talked before about what a great job Neil Cugley's doing, but the longer this goes on, they've still got games in hand. That They're not just flying high surprise package. They're playoff contenders now. Exactly. The home form has been great. We're just five wins out of six. Uh, seems to have got a lot of penalties as well. Uh, Aidy Yusuf scores goals. They've got goal scorers in there. Probably Draycott will always score. Aidy Yusuf, who we've mentioned before, went into the league with Dagenham, didn't really work out for him, but he's banging them in for, for, for Folkestone. They're sixth place in the division. Um, we all, of course, think where the league will go, but no reason why they can't get in the top five if they continue that form. Normally with Folkestone, they do have a little bit of dip after Christmas, of course, when finances come in and Neil's Cugley will probably say that he had to release players over the last few years. Hopefully that's something of the past there, but again, great season for Folkestone. I don't think they've ever been, ever been from the highest level they've been for a long time there. Never seen them being in the National South. Could we have another side in the National South? No reason why not. What an achievement that be if Neil Cugley could do it. It's a long way to go yet. 
the opposite coin. You think about Tunbridge going out the uh, Velocity Cup, gone out the trophy. They're having an absolutely terrible season at the moment. They're a few points off the playoffs, and you really need to turn it around. And I expected Tunbridge to be doing better than they were. So maybe we can try and get somebody from Tunbridge on the on the pod in the next few weeks just to, to have a look into the, how they're doing. But yeah, disappointing for them. And going out the Velocity to Hyde as well. We just... Stop working for Tunbridge. I don't know why at the moment. No, it's it's very frustrating. I mean, it, it, they've got so much potential there, Tunbridge Angels. I've I've been I've covered a few games involving Tunbridge Angels, both at home and away, and you know they've they've got a sort of decent support there. They've they've had some really good players going th- going through the club, but at the moment, I mean, you'd still look at their squad now and say they shouldn't be where they are in the league. But they just they're, they're wretched in cups. They've always been wretched in the cup competitions ever since I've been covering sport down in the southeast again, and. It is, it is difficult. You know, Steve McKim's been there three or four years now. He took over when they'd just been relegated out of the National League South. And, you know, have they progressed? You know, Steve McKim, lovely blokes. He's done a really good job. But are they moving in the right direction, Tunbridge Angels? I, I don't know. You know, that those that their cup defeats, that they weren't just disappointing to go out of the cup. It was, you know, their games they shouldn't be losing. Haybridge Swifts, you know, with all due respect, they played Haybridge Swifts last Tuesday night in a replay in the FA Trophy. Haywood Swiss would have had more than half an eye on their FA Cup tie, yet they still had enough to beat Tunbridge Angels. It's not to take anything away from Haywood Swiss, but you'd have thought Tunbridge Angels would be sitting there looking at that game thinking, well, you know, we've got a team here, they're going to be a little bit distracted, we've got to get a result, and they didn't. And and you've got to wonder, you know, Tunbridge Angels, Steve McKim is going to be disappointed. I know he was trying to bring a lot more players in. He needs to shake up something. Or else come the end of the season, Steve Church, the chairman there, might look and say, are we going in the direction we want to go in? Well, I think he's signed a new contract, Steve. I think Steve McKinn is the man for the job. But maybe some of the players are setting on their laurels. You, you look at it, 17 goals in 15 games, not really the firepower they've got. Blued and Elder, etc. like that. But they're not conceding many goals. It's maybe maybe a little bit of luck or a little bit of something just not working in their favour at the moment. I'm really quite surprised. I thought they could be top five or top six. They know this level for the last few years. Steve McKim knows this level. It's just, it just hasn't worked out for them. So, again, got to draw on a line. I think basically... All they've probably got, if they're still in the Kent Cup, I don't know if they still are or not, is the league now. So, probably playing just Saturdays, work on the training ground Tuesdays and Thursdays, in there and go on a bit of a run, just to appeal it. Just, you know, out of all sides, have done well this season. Probably Tunbridge Agents are the one I'm most surprised about doing so badly. I thought they could have a great season this year. Indeed. Well, finally, we'll just mention quickly the games in the National League on Saturday. Um, as you've already mentioned, Ebbsfleet are home to Leighton Orient on the TV. Um, Guysley against Bromley and Maidstone make the long trip down to Torquay and last but no means least we haven't talked about them for a couple of weeks um, Dover I guess that's where you are on Saturday against your old buddies Eastley everyone at Dover loves Eastley don't they? Yeah yeah Eastley are a funny club Richard Hill was wound Chris Kinnear up many a time and uh, Rich, Chris Kinnear has wound up Richard Hill so there'd be no love lost on the uh, touchline for that but Eastley one of these sides who've got an absolute millions and I think the chairman said he spent 10 million over the last few years trying to get the Anyway, but they've struggled. They, they they do have a lot of old pros. And you mentioned Maystone earlier having a lot of old pros, but they've got pros who want to get back up to a level. Well, it seems to be from me, from Eastley's point of view, got old pros who are on the way down. So Andy Hesitale, of course, was the Dover manager's assistant at Eastley, so he'll be coming back from that point of view. Well, it's been a good time for Dover because they've been top of the table for two weeks because nobody's played. So, um, yeah, we, Dover's record is normally good against Eastley. So, fingers crossed, with two big, Games coming up uh, away from home or late night in Dagenham the following week. It should be uh, it's important that Dover can win that, stay top of the table because you know the, 
things coming out of the club is that they've got a chance to win this league. He's got to make sure they carry on winning matches at home. And Eastleigh at home, look at the, the league table, is one that they've got to be looking to win in. Well, we've seen, we've seen already this season though, when, when Dover should be looking to win games that they don't tend to. I guess you'll be there on Saturday doing your, your usual radio camp, will you? Yeah, yeah, I'll be there on Saturday. So, um, fingers crossed, it should be a, a good game. I, I expect, if you're a neutral in the area, expect fireworks. Kinnear and Hill don't get on. I'm sure they'll be a bit of um, a little bit of verbal in the dugout. And I'm sure that will uh, manifest manifest on the pitch as well. I'm expecting a bit of a cracking game. I, I doubt you'll see a brawl as good as the one I saw at Sittingbourne the other <laughs> week, though. Um, I'm that's... not expecting the brawls, but you know, a bit of a blood and thunder I expect on a cold November day excellent that's about it for for this week's show Um, thank you ever so much for listening as always Um, as always please feel free to follow us on social media uh, on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast and on Facebook we're just Kent Non-League if you search for us you should find us Um, Twitter last night I didn't have 280 characters on the podcast account now I have so we can rant and rave away for as, as long as we want um, just before we go, I'd just like to dedicate this week's show to uh, my mother-in-law, Oksana Spratt, who unfortunately passed away on uh, Saturday morning after a, a short battle with cancer. Um, obviously devastating news for, for, for us, but um, I'm sure she won't at all care that we've just dedicated a, a non-lead podcast to her because I don't think she ever saw a game of football in her life um, and certainly doesn't know anything about non-league football and probably thinks it's just a kickabout in the park that we were talking about. But uh, even so, the show's dedicated to her. Um, and obviously thinking of, of my other half at this at this difficult time. But anyway, enough of that. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. And uh, Matt and I will be back with you next week for more Kent Non-League podcast goodness. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Good night.